0: Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Hey, but before we get on with our guest today, a couple of things i love love to draw your attention to. Number one, i love to invite you to come out personally to our website, iworkforhim.com. Got some really cool stuff out there, the highlights on the upcoming Marriage Retreat Cruise, which is coming up in March of next year. Need you to sign up now because the cruise line is filling up those cruises because people think it's going to get cold this winter. So those cruise lines are filling up, and so it'll be maxed out when the cruise line is done selling the rooms. iWorkForHim.com. Click on the Events tab. Then when you come onto the website, you'll notice a flag pop up. It says, Join the iWorkForHim Nation. Click on the flag. Don't be intimidated by it. And find out what we're asking. We're asking Christ followers around the country and around the globe to, to start praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. To look for ways to serve those that they work alongside. To look for ways to befriend those that they work alongside. So then, out of relationship, we have an opportunity to demonstrate Jesus, the work that he's done in your life. But we're also asking Christ followers to join the I Work For Him Nation so they're looking for ways to pray with people when they notice they're having a rough day, but all along, regardless of what your job is, anybody who joins the I Work for Him Nation is striving to do their job with excellence. That's what it means to join the I Work for Him Nation. So, lots of really good stuff out there in IWorkForHim.com. Please check it out. A couple of other really cool announcements, things going on this week in. Tampa Bay. This weekend in Tampa Bay. Right now, Martha's on location at the Reach 16 event at Bridgepoint Church in St. Petersburg as they're talking about how to reach the unchurched in church. And some cool stuff. Martha's got a table out there. If Martha's listening, hi, baby. Love you. Thanks so much for uh, taking the table. (laughs) Sorry they couldn't be there with you, but we're on the air. And if you want to call in later to say hi live from the the show floor, please feel free to do so. And also coming up tonight at Calvary Chapel St. Pete. The Jesus film. And many of you say, well, I've seen the Jesus film. But maybe you have friends who their heart language, their number one language, is not English. Maybe it's Spanish or Vietnamese or Korean or something else. The Jesus film is being shown tonight at Calvary Chapel St. Pete in six different languages. I don't know all the languages. I'm sorry. I just don't. But they'd like to invite you to go out to Calvary Chapel St. Pete, which is in the old Walmart right on 19. in uh, Just before you get to Park Boulevard. Right on uh, in the middle of uh, Pinellas County. Tonight at seven o'clock, doors open at six. I-, I invite you to go, bring your friends who don't, who English isn't their first language. They want to hear it in their heart language. That's the Jesus film tonight at Calvary Chapel, St. Pete. That's what it means to be a friend. That's part of that, befriending your coworkers and employees is all about. But all this following Jesus stuff, you know what? It takes a paradigm shift in your minds. To be a follower of Christ, it, it just, we got to stop. Thinking the way the world thinks. And Paul reminds us, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And that's what we talk about all the time on I Work For Him. That's what we're talking about. How in your workplace are you allowing your faith to impact what you do? And about three months ago, two and a half months ago, one of our listeners emailed me, April Witt, she says to me, Jim, I would listen to this show and I am a classroom teacher where I teach children with special needs. And I've been prompted by the Lord to write a series of children's books featuring children with special needs. And I really think we should talk about it on the air. And I said, okay, April Witt, welcome to I work for him.
1: Thank you. It's nice to be here.
0: <laughs> I hope you feel that way after we get all through this. A- April's like, I'm not really sure I want to be on the radio. This is kind of intimidating. Like, no, in my studio, it is not intimidating because everybody knows it listens. Not a big deal because it's just Jim on the radio. We have a lot of fun, though. April, look, you've been a listener
1: for how long? Um... Well, a little over a year because I just recently changed jobs and I'm driving quite a bit farther. Well, last year I changed jobs, so I started tuning in, and and I catch you on my way home usually. So
0: let's just ask for, and don't I want you to answer honestly. Are the shows better when it's just me and a guest, or when it's just me and Martha?
1: That's really hard to say because it kind of depends on who you have on there and and maybe what would appeal to me but i have enjoyed uh the two of you together getting your differing viewpoints on things and um it's a great program
0: we have a lot of fun thank you very much we have a lot of fun on the air okay so here's the question i ask every every buddy that comes on the show tell me how you've noticed the lord working in those intimate details of your life recently
1: well what comes to mind is i feel like god has started opening some doors That maybe were not open before, and if I can give an illustration, this is just something interesting to me that I thought God showed me. um, That you know how like maybe in a cartoon, and you have somebody like Mickey Mouse, and and how they bust through the wall, and you see these, you see the shape of the ears and his fingers and everything that's in the wall, and it's like it's like He showed me if you want to go through that door, it's that's a door that's made just for you. And, and also that you can't carry a whole bunch of baggage and stuff through there with oh, you. Oh,
0: leave the baggage behind, but it's an April-sized so, door.
1: Yeah, so I, I just feel like it's something he's shown me, and maybe that's part of being here today is um, some new things.
0: You ever done radio before? No, I haven't. All right, we're having some fun today with April Witt. She's an author. She's a she's a teacher of children with special needs. And she's also an author. And she did, she did her own author, publisher. She did the whole deal herself when she wrote the Private Eye Romeo Riley series, which features kids in there with special needs. And it's really an intriguing series. April, welcome back to I Work For Him. Thank you. Talk to me about okay. So you listen to I Work For Him. Talk to me about your your, your job during the day. What do you do during the day?
1: Well, uh, I work in a center school, which is uh, a little different from uh, the regular public schools, although it is a public school. We have um, everybody is special needs, very small school. We have less than 100 students with a trained staff. Um, I mean, a lot of kids these days with special needs are being placed in regular schools, which is not a bad thing. I think if that's the right thing for the child, then I'm, you know, totally for inclusion. But we tend to have a segment of the population that usually needs a little more um security a more uh, a safer more supervised environment and the kids that i have particularly are more uh, what you call medical high risk and they we have a we actually have four nurses on staff and, and i have one in my classroom but they have a lot of needs like we actually have to lift them and position them because they don't walk they're all in wheelchairs And um, some of them have to be uh, fed via uh, tube feeding or um, a lot of them have quite a few medications and they just have to be watched closely for seizures and health problems.
0: Now, but when you got your, you got a degree as a teacher. Yes. And your, but your degree was in English. That's right. You know, the worst subject in the world for me was English. I, I speak it. But I really don't write it. I don't know. Your, your, your husband is sitting next to us in a studio, which you refused to talk on the radio today. But Gary, I'm glad you're in a studio. But you know, it was English wasn't your greatest subject either. He's saying no. Okay. So, But you married an English teacher. That's good. I, I don't know. I, I just, I love Mrs. Johnson, Connie Johnson. She was my eighth grade English teacher. She gave me a C and I never really recovered from that. It just was, it was all downhill from there. So you spent some time being mom at home mm-hmm. and then went back to being a teacher and you didn't How did you end up being a a teacher of children with special needs?
1: Well, I actually was substituting. And um, while my kids were still younger, and there was a school near me. Doris Sanders Learning Center was very near me. And uh, I had subbed there and started going there more often and just kind of fell in love with the kids and the atmosphere and ended up um, coming on staff there.
0: So as a teacher of children with special needs and... You've you've been doing this
1: now. How many years? This is my 17th year. I'm starting <sighs> it's
0: a long time. So you've seen a lot. You've experienced a lot. I'm sure there's been some kids that have that have passed on But that. I mean, because yes. you're dealing with some some frail children. How you know, it sounds to me like you already recognized that your workplace was your mission field. But but what have you, you know, had anybody ever told
1: you that? no i never really planned on that even though i did have a cousin with special needs or i should say i do have a cousin with special needs but i never really planned on going in that direction it really just the door just kind of opened accidentally or i'm sure it wasn't it was god (laughs) it was god and um i don't know It, it just kind of felt right for me and I've stayed with it and I, I had to go back to school and get some credits and things to, to teach in that environment because I was just English it was on my certificate. You, she
0: was, she says that tongue in cheek. She was just an English teacher. <laughs> English is really my second language. <laughs> I don't know. And there was no English teacher that ever had me that said, Jim, that's really not your first language. All right. So 17 years as you've listened to the show over the last year, and, and this is just because there's a lot of people listening that would never, that, that aren't going to be on the show. And there's a lot of people listening that wouldn't even call in or they won't send me an email, even though they can. Jim at iworkforhim.com. Go on to our website. You can click on contact us, whatever. We would love to hear from you. Love to hear from you. What are what's some of the things you've heard from the show that have encouraged you to really to dig deeper into that ministry that you're in?
1: Well, um, Maybe just to have more compassion for everyone and maybe to, and well, the show has encouraged me to really look at maybe my coworkers and parents and families as um, people that need to be reached for Christ, at least some of them, and maybe in just my attitudes too and the way that I interact.
0: Have you taken that challenge to start praying for some of those people you work with?
1: I have, and, and I had done that before, but it's brought it to mind more
0: how has it transformed your thinking towards those people when you start praying for somebody how, how uh, uh, do you have some difficult people that i'm not gonna say that uh, don't answer that question they might be listening well maybe they know they're difficult everybody we always work with difficult people i mean there's always somebody that's a little more difficult and I think the lord puts those people there to help shape our personalities but have you been praying for some people specifically and have you seen God soften your heart towards them
1: I'd have to say yes, because um, you see, I think anytime you work closely with people, you're going to get on each other's nerves, and that's just, even your family, I mean, it doesn't mean you don't love someone, but um, I think it has given me more patience and a bigger heart for others.
0: When did you realize you were a writer?
1: Well, I really just about all my life. It was a lifelong dream. And um, and and I've messed with it a lot, and I've had a lot of frustration over it um, in younger years, because it's very difficult to. I've experienced the rejection letters, and and of course in the old days we used to. You know, type something out and to try to type a perfect letter without errors was nearly impossible for me. Yeah, the, and right, <laughs>
0: listening—that's even before whiteout. That's right, correct,
1: right? Yeah, you know, we used plenty of whiteout, and the turnaround time of sending out a manuscript was a very long time. It's a little, a little bit better now, I think, even though maybe the competition is worse. I don't know, but at least now most things are done online, and you can uh, you can get a rejection a whole lot faster than you used to but but it's an improvement I think.
0: So how do you keep a dream like writing from becoming a nightmare?
1: Well I think it's been really troubling to me at times and I used to think that God gave me this dream just to aggravate me sometimes because I didn't know why. <laughs> um, things just didn't work out but um, I think I needed to do the kind of work that I am doing. I think God needed to change me and And, you know, I'm a work in progress, (laughs) (laughs) like like the rest of us.
0: It's it's fun. Now, when you did this, when you first started writing this series, you ended up doing your own publishing. That's right. But that's going to change where you're going to start working with somebody you heard about here on the show.
1: That's right. Um, I heard you interviewing Sherry Cowell, and I contacted her after hearing her on your show, and I'm hoping to have a long relationship with her. She's a very exciting person, has a great business, and I'm already taking steps. Uh, I'm going to have another book, I'm hoping in a few months, that um, will have... My imprint is uh, Grapefruit Press, but it will be in collaboration with E&A Publishing.
0: That's cool. Wow. Sherry, don't forget where those all those when, when when April's books hit a million copies printed, don't forget where that referral came from. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to put that out there. All right, so you, you you're a teacher, you're a, you're a, you're a wife, you're a mom, you're a teacher, you're a writer, you're a publisher. When do you have time to have fun?
1: Well, I hope all of that is fun, but sometimes it's a, it gets to be too much and um and we just built a new house too we've only been oh glutton and that, for punishment and there you go that's another big dream that um was kind of a lifelong that turns plan. into a nightmare it, anytime
0: it, you build a house it turns into a nightmare
1: well it's actually turned out better than i because i feared it for a long time my husband designed it and uh you know it's we're living in it and it's wonderful it's not all finished but that's okay neither are we right so. <laughs> that's right
0: Oh, wow, that's pretty cool. And Gary can't defend himself. So, how does he do as a husband supporting you in your in your in writing?
1: Well, he he's done pretty well. He tolerates me and overlooks the mess that I create with it, and uh, and he's he's been real supportive. Mm.
0: You, uh, there's a lot of people listening today. They're stay at home moms. I don't. The only job harder than a stay at home mom is a stay, is a single mom. I think. How? Which job is harder? Stay at home mom or teacher of children with special needs and author and publisher
1: well I really enjoyed being a stay-at-home mom I had, um, except for maybe it's easy to get a little isolated you know and that's been a while ago too <laughs> my kids are grown but um, but I wrote a lot during that time too and so even though maybe I couldn't use that stuff at the time I have a lot of things I can pull from now that the door seem to be opening for publication, and there's a lot of time I spent working on things with little trucks running over, under my feet and trains and things like that, and those are all real good memories. Happy Trucks,
0: to trains are okay. It's the explosives that you yes. have, because you said you have two boys. Yes. Do you want to say hi to them?
1: Sure. Hi, Drew and Daniel.
0: And we'll make sure that when, when I send you the podcast later, you can forward it on to them so they can verify that you actually said hello to them.
1: Okay. Yeah, it's okay.
0: Trains, cars, those things are great. It's the explosives, because boys love to blow things up. Did, did they ever blow anything up when they were growing up?
1: Um, probably. I and the only thing that comes to mind, and that's not blowing up, is they used to love to tie strings all over the backyard, and, and there were times where animals and people could get tripped and things like that.
0: <laughs> Alright, we come back. We're going to dig deep into the Private Eye, Romeo Riley series, and what and April's passion for including children with special needs as really the main characters of this series, and you hear her passion and and what led to thirty three years of wedded bliss to her husband Gary, and, and as she. An everyday listener to I work for him that reached out to us and said, "Listen, this is what the Lord's doing in my life. It's an amazing thing that He's doing. I'd love to be able to share my story." And I said, "Fantastic!" Because this show is—you know—a lot of times we have. Sure, we sometimes we have famous people on here, but a lot of times it's just everyday people are just sharing their story. And how is God working in my workplace, whatever that workplace may be? And April's just one of those people. This is her workplace. She's a she's a teacher of children with special needs. Been doing it for seventeen years. She's a mom of two boys. She's a a wife of thirty three years. First of all, April, how did you how, how what to what do you attribute attribute thirty three years of marital bliss to Gary?
1: Well, it hasn't all been bliss, but um. and Gary can't respond because he wouldn't <laughs>
0: let me turn his microphone on. Now he's on trouble. He wants to defend himself. Nope, no microphone for you. Okay.
1: But, um, you know, I think God has brought us through some tough things for his purposes. And um, and also, I think Gary stuck it out with me in ways that maybe some. Well, oh, so you're
0: saying you were the difficult one. I think I was. <laughs> and he's over there going, oh, no, it's, it was me. That's good. That's why you stayed married for 33 years. All right. So let's start talking about this series. Where did you get the idea to come up with this? The, first of all, Private Eye, Romeo Riley, this series, Where, where'd that all come from?
1: Well, um, the character itself, I think, is a combination of some some kids that I've known over the years in, in working with special needs kids. Um, but the idea for the book kind of came about when we had been reading some funny stories to our kids. And um, a lot of them can understand quite a bit, even though, you know, you can't always tell by a person. if they, right. Even though they're in a wheelchair and they're not able to do a lot of things physically, that doesn't mean they don't understand what's going on. And they enjoy, they like to laugh. They really do. They're kids, and so they like to have fun. And after reading some funny things, and actually I had been writing some emails to some of the kids, too, because another teacher had set up e- email accounts for each of her students. And um, she requested other staff people to write to them. So I and some of the kids I had had in my class before. So I made up some funny stories and sent them kind of in, individualized to the child knowing some things about them because you know how when you when you love somebody you pick at them kind of sure and uh and and, you know our kids can enjoy that too so i don't know it was born of that kind of because i began to think and as we were reading some other like junie b jones and, and some books like that i i thought well you know why couldn't there be a book like this that's of this kind of quality that's that's really fun but has kids like these because I thought my kids are not jumping on skateboards and climbing trees and doing all the things that they're doing. And so, actually, one day at school, and I probably shouldn't admit that I did this at school, but I, I just started, I just started writing. Uh, kind of just wrote the first line, and of of the first book, and, and kind of went from there. <clears throat> Excuse me. But it was actually a few years before I. Did anything serious with it?
0: Yeah, you don't know, you don't have any kids jumping on skateboards, but Romeo's uh, he has a turbocharged wheelchair. Based on the things that he can accomplish with his wheelchair, it must be turbocharged. I mean, he jumps off curbs, he runs down the he goes down the ramp. I mean, he yeah, flying through the air connected to a helicopter. I mean, just some pretty good stuff. Some pretty good stuff in here. So as you as, as you first everybody was does a first draft. So after you wrote the first draft of the first book, um, this is number one, right? This is number one. Yes. Okay, so. Private Eye, Romeo O'Reilly, this series, The Mystery of the Boy Who Saw Too Much. As you wrote this, did you test drive it on your students to see how they reacted?
1: I did. And and a few other teachers have done that as well with their class. And, and I'm finding that the kids respond well to it. And also the kids in the regular school, because uh, many of them have a heart for kids with special needs. And also we're seeing more kids in wheelchairs and kids with uh, special needs in the regular school. And so I was hoping it would be kind of a door opener to show people that... You know, he may look a little different, but he's a kid too.
0: Well, when we were kids, they didn't, I mean, they always kept the ki- the kids with special needs, they kept them separate from us. They didn't integrate. And you didn't see them. A lot of times they were at home or we, we didn't interact with them. I and mean, it would have been really, boy, you'd have gained a lot more humility among students if you had those kids integrated mm-hmm. because they, they learned that, wow, okay, not everybody has it so easy. Not everybody has two legs to walk on. Not, not everybody has two, two hands to be able to tie their own shoes and, uh, not everybody can speak clearly, but, you know, it, these are kids that are wrapped up with disease or whatever it may be, but they're, they're, they're neat kids. I mean, you, I, Martha and I have been privileged to teach small groups with, then have parents that have kids with special needs, and, and those are the neatest kids. I mean, those are the ones they almost never have trouble with when they're growing up. You know, they're not the ones rebelling at 15.
1: It's true i've often thought that that you know even though no one would ever choose no that kind of life for their child but it, it comes with its own kind of rewards and you know and there is no child that doesn't bring some grief or concern you know nobody gets by without some of that well.
0: That's probably true, I'm sure. As, as I know what I was like as a kid, I'm sure, even if somebody had one-tenth of what I brought to the table. So how did your faith walk, your walk with Christ, prepare you for this job of working with kids with special needs and writing a, a series of books for kids with special needs?
1: Well, let's see. Um, w- working on the book... I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I lost my- no, it's fine. I'll let
0: you get your train of thought back. So yeah, yeah. as we talked today with April Witt, she's a she's a teacher of kids with special needs, and she is also an author and a publisher of her own series, Private Eye, Romeo, Romeo Riley, this series. You know, as you, um, your faith, how it impacts your job every day and in writing and in working with kids with special needs, how do you see how God prepared you for this
1: job? Well, I guess I got stumped because I feel like the job has prepared me for for life and other wow. things. I okay. think it's it's more the other way around, because I think I just kind of came into the job without a lot of thought beforehand. I, it was just something that I tried out and it seemed to fit. But I think it's caused me to have a lot more compassion for, I think it's just given me a bigger heart for everybody. Sure. And, and I think, you know, sometimes even, you know, loving the unlovely, and I don't mean to be that unkind because most of them are not unlovely, but, but I have worked with some kids that were difficult, and um, but most of them are, are so precious, and uh, you actually begin to see them as your own, really. It, it, because we're fortunate enough to sometimes have the same kids for several years at a time sometimes it takes that length of time to to really know them because when you've got a child who has so many problems and they they have a lot of uh, stiffness and atrophy that they can't move but sometimes things just happen too it's funny what they can do sometimes and they can surprise you and things get knocked over or uh, you know something gets grabbed and and they think it's funny and and, uh, they also laugh at the right times and um, just things happen
0: all right, April, question. The kids that you feature, well, the kids that you work with every day, how old are these kids?
1: I have mostly middle school age, um, ooh, anywhere ooh, from tough. about 11 to 14.
0: I taught seventh graders once. It was the worst job I ever had in my entire life. <laughs> and, and they were kids that weren't in wheelchairs, and they were the worst kids. And it wasn't the kids. It was the parents. How do you find dealing with the parents? Are they pretty cool to deal with?
1: Yes, I do love my parents, but I think it's a very unique atmosphere it involves a lot of trust on their part because um you know these are not your regular kids that they're putting on the bus or dropping off at school and I I think it takes time because you've got a child who can't come home and say that they were mistreated or or something and and so it it takes time for them to trust to leave their baby with me well I imagine
0: yeah I imagine it is uh, well they like the fact that okay well are you going to get a Mrs. Witt's class oh that's good okay well she's been around for a long time so she's cool so I mean I, I imagine you're in high demand
1: well, I, I hope so, or I hope I can live up to that. But, I, you know, I did change schools uh, at the beginning of last year. I, I was at uh, Dora Sanders Learning Center for 15 years. And then I made a move to Gino Dell, which is in Bartow. And, and I'll tell you, I've known some of the most wonderful people at both schools. And we have super nurses and uh, staff and, and funny people. You would be surprised at the, um, the amount of humor, the level of humor that... Um, is uh, something that keeps us all going.
0: Bartow is such a beautiful little town. Love yes, that little is. town. So you, how far is your drive to work every day?
1: Um, and um, I'm in Mulberry now, or actually off Shepherd Road. So it's about twenty five to thirty minutes. Okay,
0: so you're already over that way. You don't yes. have to cut through Tampa to get to Bartow. No, because that would be awful. <laughs> would be way beyond awful. Okay, so the characters in these books. Let's talk about them and and who they. You know, who is Romeo Riley to you?
1: Well, he's a little bit of myself and, and maybe some other people too. But I, I think uh, Romeo is, uh, he's a person of all heart, but he's kind of a goofy, um, he he's somebody that's kind of a bumbling hero. And, but he always comes out smelling like a rose too, as you'll find in the books. And, but I think people identify with him because- or he, he might makes, have
0: a rose in a pot in his lap.
1: That's true. And and it works out just right though to hand it to his principal and-, and uh, clear up a few problems in the process
0: so yeah he's a little accident prone
1: yes he is he makes some rash decisions he's a little bit uh, impulsive and uh but he he, his heart is to look out for for other people he's pretty unselfish I don't know if that describes me or not but um it's a goal for me anyway.
0: So you've got actually, this is almost like a gang of uh, kids with special needs featured in this book. I mean, they're all hanging out together. They, they've all got their different abilities. One of them, one of them's got use of their, their legs and their hands, the other one and, and can talk. And, and well, I want you to talk about the character, the different characters that you have.
1: Okay. Well, uh, and some of them are kids that I've known. Um, the character of Reba, who kind of loves to use markers and draw things and make a mess all over and
0: draw on herself because she always got the smudging I do that too if I draw and I get under my arms Mm -hmm. yeah
1: and she's kind of based on a young lady that I had for a while who whose name wasn't Reba but she was a big fan of Reba McIntyre and so I I named her in honor of that uh, relationship Mm -hmm. that she had um, a long distance relationship what about
0: what about Romeo's best buddy
1: that would be DJ, I guess. And DJ's his supporter and his accomplice in crime. Accomplice,
0: that would call him yes. more of an accomplice, especially when they're dumpster diving together.
1: Yeah, I thought that was a unique uh, activity for them. And I, I had to study the dumpster a little bit to draw a picture of it and, and kind of maneuver how they might actually do that. And uh, But I think it's a fun thing. He has broccoli falling from his ear, and he, he runs into a few um, not-so-pleasant things in the dumpster
0: yeah well, I think most dumpsters have those not so pleasant things. So when you started these books, so like you didn't plan on being the artist.
1: that's correct. But you are the artist. I ended up doing that. I had always drawn a little bit, and I had taken some art classes, but I really felt like um, I wouldn't be an illustrator.
0: I took art classes, too. (laughs) It doesn't mean anything. You have to have God-given talent to do any art.
1: Well, I guess. And it takes practice, too, because that's one thing that even developed in working in the school, because we always have done a variety of things and made a lot of stuff and did artwork. So I, I kind of developed a little bit more of my artistic ability just in the school. And, uh, but, uh, actually the, some of the people that were going to do the artwork for the book just kind of, it just kind of didn't happen. Too many other things got in the way. So it kind of came down to the point where I thought this is my dream. And if I'm going to make it happen, I guess I'm going to have to be the artist too. And so I I spent a summer, um, kind of learning all the different sounds that my refrigerator makes. And as I drew these pictures and, and really got the book together, um, and, um, Anyway, if you want me to talk a little bit about the process, um, if anybody is interested in doing something well, I like want to this. Get to that. We'll
0: get to that okay. in just a little bit. But I, you know, So you're the author, you're the artist, you were the publisher, right. and now you're working with another publisher, but did you actually make the paper too then, or I mean... Did you actually, you know, like go to harvest the trees? I mean, because it seems like you did everything in this whole deal.
1: Well, no, actually, I went to a, a printer who okay, has right. had some experience. So you didn't do it books. all yourself. That's true, but okay, I, but sure. I think if you act as publisher, I mean, she she's just the printer, not just the printer, but um, somebody has to act as. Uh, as just the person who's overseeing the whole project no, that's kind good of, right? I,
0: I like that i just was giving you our time because okay. you did so much now you even have some pseudo romance in the series especially during the one romeo o'reilly the case of the crooked campaign you got this this young girl named and that romeo's got some fond eyes for
1: right well he kind of does all the way through even though i think sometimes Blythe barely knows he's alive but he um he continues to uh, admire her and it it kind of tends to make him fall all over himself at times you know
0: well well, i'd say yes absolutely as any girl would do to any boy in seventh grade or what i mean how old is romeo in these stories
1: um he's probably between 12 and 14 so he, he's a little young for getting too serious about those things but he definitely has crush. no, he,
0: no he's not no, no you're right not. no but, he's not so and but Blythe is not a, a kid with special needs
1: well i i don't directly give her anything but it, it, considering that this is most likely a center school i, I was a little vague about that but Got um it. but her friend has a, a blindness issue right and you know some people's uh, special needs are not always obvious
0: so your ministry at, at with these kids with special needs. I mean, it's something it, it it fills your day. I mean, you're you're in this all day long, and you have really put your passion into these books to kind of put their lives into action. How fun was it when these got published? How fun was it presenting it to these kids and letting them know what what you wrote about?
1: Well, it was a good feeling to to bring it into the school. And um, and I found the parents and a lot of people in the community to receive it really well, um, because um, I think they need a hero, and I really like to see a movie. And if anybody's out there that can help me with that, I, I really think we need a Romeo movie. And I'm kind of surprised we don't have a, a hero like that, uh, even a you know some s- child in a wheelchair flying through space or something shooting aliens or something. I'm surprised we haven't seen that yet. I think it's time maybe not for shooting aliens but for well, but, aliens but for always hero. need to go <laughs> that's true
0: but but it, that's that's true and i wonder what that is i wonder why it is that uh, hollywood has not picked up on that they've, they've picked up on on a lot of other very specialized spots where there are really a lot of emphasis but kids with special needs adults with special needs i mean there's we have some phenomenal i mean they don't want to talk about it but we've had a president that had that was in a wheelchair. I mean, they don't they not talk about things like that um, back then. They didn't have TV, so nobody really knew mm-hmm. about it. The process that you went through. I mean, it's you're putting your heart down in in writing, and and I'm sure how much prayer was involved in putting these books together.
1: Well, quite a bit because I knew that I didn't even want to put myself through it if it wasn't His will, you know. Because and they're not necessarily outwardly Christian, they don't necessarily have a Christian message, even though I kind of snuck one in there for the for the Christmas one. Um, I, I do believe that God's hand was in it, because because he brought it about, and he brought me through it, and, and when, what you were talking about before, uh, sending it out to publishers and things, I tried just a little bit of that, but I thought, and of course, the first one was in 2011, and so it was a little before that that I actually sent it out, and I didn't send it a lot. But I felt like it was a little bit untouchable. I felt like because it is kind of a niche subject, Mm -hmm. even though there are zillions of people with special needs or families that that have someone that has special needs that I I think it's bigger than uh, some might think. So what
0: do you mean by untouchable?
1: Well, I think I I think they felt like it was just something like it was too narrow and it was like something they didn't want to go into and um, so it
0: made him nervous, it made him uncomfortable. I,
1: I think possibly so. And, and sure, you know, a wheelchair is frightening to people. I think some people are getting over that. But, you know, you have to think that a wheelchair, if you need one, if you can't walk, it's a good thing. Right. You know, Well, and it wasn't
0: really until the last 20 plus years that wheelchairs had motors. I mean, mm-hmm. that a lot of people get access to them. I mean, I know there was motors, you know, 50 years ago, but that that was really for wealthy people who needed wheelchairs. It, it's gotten to be pretty commonplace today. And so there's a lot more interaction. All right, April, we're almost out of time. So I, I people are listening that uh, work alongside people with special needs uh, they have neighbors that have children with special needs or adults with special needs. How is the best way to broach the conversation to begin a friendship in that area?
1: Well, I think it's just the way that you would broach a friendship with anyone. Um, they're just people, too. And even though some things may be different, they deal with it every day. To them, it's just their life. And they're looking for friends and communication like everyone else. And so if you can just be yourself... And uh, I think that's the best thing to do.
0: Jesus was really good at this. I mean, he, he was constantly dealing with people struggling with physical ailments. And he was really good at demonstrate that, wasn't wasn't he? Yes. Do you ever use any of those biblical examples when you're thinking about writing? I mean, do you, do you kind of put it in that context?
1: Well, I don't know. I, I first was thinking, you know, just praying for my kids. And maybe that's not what you asked me. But I, I, I do pray for their health and for their well-being and, and for their healing even, and, um, but as far as writing about that with Jesus in mind, maybe that's something I need to do more. And, and in my, my newest project, I, I'm, I'm working on a series, not the one I'm doing with it, for Sherry right. Cowell. It's going to be a little while, but I want to do another series that actually has animal characters. It's like okay. anthropomorphic.
0: So those animal characters that talk.
1: Yes. And, and those, you know, anytime you have animal characters in a book, they represent people, but I'm, I'm actually trying to, I'm just asking God to, uh, to make that point to him, however he can do that.
0: See, I, I always like the theories of, okay, you know, I believe this is Jim's theory. This is not biblical at all. But, you know, if Balaam's donkey could talk with him, maybe all animals used to have the ability to talk to us before the fall. And uh, so how about a series on that? Like, I don't know. Just, I think there'd be some, or that'd be a freaky movie. Oh no, we've had movies. Babe, I think was that one. <laughs> all right. So <laughs> no, if you're listening and you made Babe, I'm just kidding how this next series you're working on and i mean what's it going to be about i mean animals to talk about what
1: well it's an adventure story and it's a, a dog is telling the story and, and it's kind of her journey from um being kind of a fearful dog to a more victorious dog and um and there's a lot of other animals and that might sound corny but I don't want to give away too much of it, and I'll give a little piece of advice to anyone who's working on something. It's really best not to talk about something you haven't done too much.
0: Ooh, so I asked that question, you might have to kill me now?
1: Uh, well, no, I, well, we'll see. But um, as long as I don't tell too much, it's best just to get your ideas down, and it's best not to think through your project too much either. Just uh, record your ideas as you get them. And then uh, work through it and come back to it. But don't don't reveal it too much until you, because you wear it out for yourself. I mean, that's kind of the reason.
0: Oh, I get it. April Witt, yeah it's been fun having you on the air today. You're such a blessing to your students, I'm sure, every day. You're a blessing to all these people writing the books, featuring children with special needs. Thanks for coming on iWorkFrame and sharing this with everybody today.
1: It's been my pleasure.
0: As we come to the end of another I Work Frame radio show, I want to thank you for listening today. This is, uh, it's been so encouraging because, you know, there are so many different types of workplaces out there, and we've never highlighted a, a teacher of children with special needs. And I just thought it was great. There's so many of you heroes that are out there in the community that are working hard, that are putting your faith at the forefront of everything you do. And, and, I, and this is what this show is all about. How do you connect your faith to what you do every day? And how do you minister to those people? If you've got a story that needs to be heard, make sure you let me know. Jim at iWorkForHim.com. Jim at iWorkForHim.com. <sighs> Looking forward to the weekend. I appreciate you listening. You've been listening to I Work for Him with your host Jim Brangenberg. We're, you're, I'm a Christ follower. I own my own business, but ultimately, I work for Him.